Hi, Raphael Bender here, founder of Breathe Education, and you're listening to the Pilates Elephants podcast. There are many things that are awesome about the Pilates industry. However, many of the practices that we take for granted are out of date, illogical, or just plain pseudoscientific. These are the elephants in the room, and I'm here to talk about them openly and honestly, and with a couple of F-bombs thrown in for good measure. Pilates Elephants is about debunking the myths and giving you science-based tools to become a better, happier, and more fearless teacher who really fucking knows your stuff. Okay, I'm here with Anula Myberg. Hi, Anula. Remember when we were on a podcast and um, someone kept calling me Anula <laughs> until you corrected them? <laughs> like you couldn't stand it anymore, so you just corrected them. <laughs> like I don't think that's how you say her name. Um, well, actually, was I was worried that I might be, have got it wrong all those years. Like, like, shit, I've been calling you the wrong name for years and you <laughs> haven't corrected it's, me. My, my favorite combo is Annula Mayberg, which is like, like a, I think that's just a different person, you know. <laughs> Your alter ego. But, but yeah, I just, I, 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 that was one of my favorite memories of, of lockdown. <laughs> <laughs> Of being like, there's nowhere to go, and somebody's calling you Annula. Why? You know, <laughs> isn't that like? Do you do you, have, do you have that? Have you had that with anyone in your life? Because I think I've had that a couple of times where, where either I've been calling the person the wrong name, like I've just called them, you know, John, and their name's Mark or something, you know, and right. for some it's reason, like a totally different. Yeah, they're yeah. they're in my mind as John, and like. And then, like, you discover months and months down the track, you're talking to someone, oh, yeah, I was with John the other day. And they're like, oh, who's John? I'm like, oh, that person. Oh, no, that's Mark. You mean Mark? <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> we had a picnic and everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I've definitely, I've definitely done that thing where, where if I don't write the name down immediately, like, if I don't memorize it by looking at it, I'll never remember. And the reason I think... That I that a lot I think a lot of people in our industry remember names is because they're class yeah, rosters, yeah. and you can see it. And I think that's really helpful. Then it's like I have to actually remember everyone's name by them just telling me their name. Yeah, yeah. That probably that would be a lot more challenging. Yeah, I, I always uh, used to look at people's names on the class roster. To, I've really made an effort to remember everyone's name within the first lesson. But I have had many moments where I've just called out a, a student. Oh, you know. Jane, and I'm like, oh shit, is that Jane or is that oh, yeah. someone else? I've definitely done that. Where I like, I, I've called somebody and give them a like a correction, and it was like it wasn't. <laughs> <at all>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like turn around, Melissa, and like she's like everyone's like who's Melissa, and like we're all turned around, you know. Um, yeah, no, definitely part part of the job. Yeah. That's just me. Yeah. I just call everyone Melissa. That's my generic name. I mean, it's better. It's better than... <laughs> than hey, you. Right? Yeah. Hey, Buster. <laughs> well, I'd, I um, would love to hear you say in a New York accent, hey, buddy, hey, Mac. Right. I'll I'll, I'll work on it. Okay. I'll try. I'll, I'll, I need to, like... I have a Pennsylvania accent now. So... I'm not sure like if that's... Midwestern... Oh, right. Okay. I can't, I can't tell the difference. Like I have to say. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Um, uh-huh. so you know why I'm really excited to talk with you and all, well, amongst 
amongst many reasons, is the topic of our conversation today because we're here to talk about Pilates porn. That's good. Yeah. I, I, I'd say that, that that's the major conversation. I mean, if, you know, I just saw somebody post about this on, on social and, and the question was like, well, what's up with all this Pilates porn? You know, like soft core porn, you know? And it made me really think about our conversation and that I kind of couldn't really justify like, well, why is it so much of it? <laughs> like, why is there so much of it? And then sort of like, why is that how people sell Pilates? Mm. Like, why does it have to be really sexy? Yeah. So what do you mean by Pilates porn? So Pilates porn to me can be a lot of things. Like one, it could be like like literally um, a scantily clad, you know, attractive woman doing a lot of like crotch shots and like, you know, like a like a low cut, you know, just like a lot of low cut and short shorts and like, um, you know, something that I couldn't possibly relate to exercise in. <laughs> and then there, so there's that like aspect of like too much skin as as a soft for porn kind of thing and then there's Pilates porn that I consider just like self um congratulating or so like sort of masturbatory Pilates masturbation yeah where it's like you know like we're we're either going really really deep into like pulling up our patella, up our quad, or something, <laughs> whatever, right? Or we're going really deep into like the like what you're talking about. A lot of what you're saying, like the scapula sitting like just so yeah. on the rib. You know, to me, that's Pilates porn. That's like you know, um, just like getting off and feeling like you know something. <laughs> I, I love. I got a frisson up my back when you said pull your patella up your thigh. Do you know what it, like, have you heard that before? Yes. Like, just pull it up, pull up your, it's like that activates your quad. And I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know that I need to see a video about this. <laughs> like, like I definitely don't want to pay for a video about it, but I certainly don't even want to see it in passing. Yeah. You know? Or all the things that, I mean, really all the things that you talk about in your social and in your, you know, all what you actually teach people which is debunking some of this, you know, very arbitrary, like, rules or knowledge or, or things people think that are knowledge, mm -hmm. right? Um, and sort of making it like, well, this is literally not true. Like, it's literally not true. Mm -hmm. uh, and, how, and how are you still teaching that? Mm -hmm. Like, it's literally not. Like, you're teaching lies. Like you're teaching lies to people. Yeah. Um, that 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 definitely, I think, I consider as like softcore porn, where like people like really like get off on the alignment, just mm. the just the alignment, like in general, <laughs> like yeah, just I have, alignment. I have to admit, align alignment. Alignment yeah. is is. I'm not sure if it's a trigger word for me or it's just one of the most it's boring topics in the world. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's picking up your patella right into alignment. <laughs> um, hey, I want to, you know, before we get into, you know, or further into this, I something occurred to me that I do want to sort of ask you about, which is, 
you know, all right. So when you said about kind of soft core porn, like basically the first, the first kind of definition that you gave of just basically mm. scantily clad women, um, you know, close ups of crotch slash butt slash, you know, I just I'm seeing too much. Well, like, I mean, he, so here's my question: that it is, you know, I, I see a fair bit of that, and you know, some of it, I, I to in my mind, it kind of falls on a spectrum, and there's stuff that is like, you know, I, I so just does alignment, alignment, right, oh. right, right. So I think there's 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 there's, there's versions of scantily clad women doing yeah. Pilates that are sort of like yeah. to me just like in poor taste and then there are right. then there are there are I don't know I guess I would put it like images like I see a lot on my social media the last few months like images they're kind of cropped and it's like maybe the woman's body in a crop top and some kind of leggings or something mm -hmm. so you can see the the skin you know over the ribs and the tummy and whatever and it's and yeah. it's a close up so you know cropped from the from the chest More up strong. yeah yeah mm -hmm. and so it's like and it's like huh i can see like in one way that's kind of sexy and kind of you know soft porn and in another way it's like well is it women reclaiming their you know their body and their or, or is it or is it art you know like yeah, how do you see that i don't know i mean it, i'm getting a lot older in my older years you know and uh i feel more conservative about some of these younger teachers um, potentially being taken advantage of or, you know, there's a predatory aspect to um, scantily clad young women. There's just, it's part, it's inherently part of, that there's something predatory and voyeuristic about it. Um, but I think there's definitely a spectrum and I've definitely seen scantily clad people doing wonderful things that don't seem in any way pornographic to me. Right. And I've definitely seen those images that you've, you've, um, you know, they're, they're sort of artistically cropped and they're showcasing flesh and, um, they're sh showcasing the human form. And to me, that looks more like art. Right. So you it, know, so it, there is definitely a spectrum. So it's like, kind of like, I can't remember which Supreme Court judge it was, though there was some kind of porno pornography case in the US ages and he said like, well, it's hard to define pornography, but I know it when I see it, sort of thing. You know it when you see it. Like, you know when somebody's put in the effort to make something beautiful and you know when somebody's put in the effort to try and sell their body as the result of doing Pilates huh. look. Ha, ha. You know what I mean? Like gotcha. that's sort of to yeah. me that that's the triggering part. Like, look, like you can stand in this bikini uh, if you just did what I do. Yeah, right. Which including has nothing to do including with, having like, my parents and you know <laughs> having your genetics, yeah. eating your diet, you know, um, having the same allergies, you know, <laughs> like and like Pilates. just assume that we're identical, and all you need to do is like a, a few of these, like you know planky things and some tendon stretch and you're ready to go to yeah. the beach. We see, I see that actually in my feed because I get a few men in my feed doing exercise and I see men with like ripped abs doing ab exercises. It's like for fuck's mm -hmm. sake, ab exercises don't give you ripped abs, people. Like... <laughs> Right, because there's like things that are true and things that are like absolutely not true 
but it doesn't matter in Pilates because like whatever you say goes, right. you know, okay. like if you just do enough crunches, it'll give you a six pack. And then that's just the truth now. So, Fight me, you know, <laughs> like try and convince me otherwise. And like, nobody wants to be convinced because, because if you correlate the burning sensation in your abdomen to the six pack and then now they're married, then how, how are you going to like separate the notions? It's, well, it's Some much people, harder to pull it generations to die. It's true. Like, isn't it funny? Like, in some, in there's this kind of, um, there's kind of an asymmetry here between how much energy is required to create that belief and how much is required to refute it. You know, like it's very perpetuate. Yeah, to perpetuate the belief is completely financial, right? So if I'm if I keep perpetuating the belief that you know one and, and we've talked about this a lot of times where like if I just learn how to turn off my hip flexors I won't feel them when I flex my hips or something. Uh, I wish right? I had like an eye like roll I, sound effect. Right, like but you know what I mean. Like you get, you should get one like uh, like an ooga, you know, <laughs> like um, where it's like if I could just do this then I'll be able to do this, which is just physically not true like scientifically evidence-based just like there's just no truth to it but if we perpetuate it and we believe in it we can sell it and then we can keep selling it because telling people look like you're going to feel a lot of sensation in your hip flexors when you flex your hip i know it feels unpleasant but that's just the deal then they're like, well, I'm going to go to the studio that tells me that there's like a magic potion I can take if I just do 10 privates, maybe I'll like arrive, right, at this like new sensation body. I'll learn to flex my hip without using my hip flexors. Or no, you'll flex your hip with your hip flex, but you won't have sensation. Ah, okay. Isn't it funny that... And also you'll... You'll, you'll, you'll learn to use your deep hip flexors uh-huh. versus your superficial hip flexors. Isn't it funny how... another lovely we, term. We, we, you know, there's a whole sort of almost industry built around how to help people feel certain muscles, you know, glutes, abs, you know, whatever it might be. And then there's... I've made my career upon it. Right. And then there's this whole <laughs> mirror industry, you know, like, let's call it like the dark web, you know, mm-hmm. that is built on helping people not feel other certain muscles. Yeah. Isn't it, isn't that weird? I don't, I, I've spent the last five, six years of my life touring the world several times over having this conversation with every Pilates studio that would literally have me in their space to have this exact conversation face to face with teachers because uh, I felt it, at a point um, that if I just like held their hands and like spoke directly into their eyes, you know, into their soul, that I could explain that they're like all of this, all of this stuff that you think is true it is not true. It's perpetuated by your teacher training programs that want your money, and we need we can switch that paradigm because it's more expensive to change the teacher manual than it is to um, not change it, right? Like how like every single body in a teacher training manual is a blonde lady, right? 
like a Nordic skinny, skinny blonde lady, like a Nordic like from the north. Right? Yeah, actually, and in my stop Pilates ones, there are a few brunettes with nice straight ponytails. Well, then you know, good, good for good for them to be accepted. Um, but but I feel like you know, there's one kind of body that we're aspiring to teach or become. Right. And if I changed the manual to say, look, like we don't know shit about shit. Actually, we don't. We're just going to throw spaghetti at the wall and see what sticks. Sometimes this is going to feel good. Sometimes it's not. Isn't really a great teacher training manual. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. You know? <laughs> like, that would be my manual. <laughs> see, I, I mean, I agree with Try you. On, a bunch of different ways. <laughs> I agree with you on everything you've said, except I probably interpret it a little different. Like, I guess. I don't. I don't necessarily feel like it. That that spread of misinformation comes from um, a place of just you know sordid commercial self interest. I feel like it. People are by and large well meaning, and that maybe their whole sense of identity is tied up in this these sets of skills that they've spent you know decades learning and perfecting and, yeah. and publicising, and now it's basically but, they're, they're in too deep to yeah. to, to go back. No, I, I mean, I understand that you think that there's no malice here, right? Like, is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not from a place of, like, uh, financial gain alone, mm -hmm. right? But I'm saying that after meeting every Pilates teacher on earth in person and teaching them physically with my body uh, and trying to teach something like logic, I've lost some kind of patience to thinking that, there is, um, you know, like the, the people's identity is sort of wrapped up in what they think they know. And then challenging that is so um, traumatic. Mm -hmm. I, I've, it's, I'm like, I think we've like crossed over to like this new place where like you, you're either coming with the science or you're in this other place, you're in your room over here, but all of us are like moving on over here and I don't need to convince you of anything anymore. Yeah. And I love like what I you said of, of right? that yeah. um, science proceeds one funeral at a time. And um, yeah. also, you know, something came to mind just then, which is, and again, I can't remember the attribution of the quote and I'll dig it out and put it in the show notes, but it, it basically it's imp the quote goes something like, it's very difficult to convince a man Oh, sorry. It's very difficult for a man to understand something when his salary depends on him not understanding it. And so, I think where I, I guess I, I guess I do accept that you know f financial remuneration is a motivation, but I think for most people, it's not a conscious motivation. It's probably just you know, motivates their unconscious reasoning. Yeah, there definitely, there's definitely a, a financial motivation to being challenged on what makes you money. Yeah. Yep. You know, so, but that's the same in every industry. You know what I mean? Like you can practice medicine a certain way and something changed and you're like, but this is just how I do it. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I'm like, okay, then we're going to be over here. Like, we're just going to do this other thing now. Uh, like I'm, t I'm not fighting with them anymore. And I see uh, what I, when I see your posts on social I see you as like a Don Quixote type going up against these windmills. Like I see you like holding <laughs> your sword, you know, and like you're running up against these windmills. And I'm like, that requires to even create the post that you create requires so much thoughtfulness 
and um, so much knowledge of how much you of and humility that I'm like, not everyone's deserving of this. You know what I mean? Like, like even opening up the conversation to somebody disagreeing with you is frustrating to me. Like, like I'm like, eh, like just talk to the people that already want to like know more things. Huh. And like, uh, edit, right. edit out these debates. Edit out these debates of like, is it is well? I teach like this. Like, huh. if I see another post, like somebody responding, well, I like to use the foam roller. Oh, you know, I'm like, okay, like, but that. But if cool. um, so, I'm with you. Actually, I I basically don't respond to those comments, so I don't. I, I just <laughs> but I just, they're there and they bug me. Oh no, <laughs> I, I've just learned how to just switch them off in the, into a compartmentalizer. Uh, I just ignore, ignore them. So well, I I've been doing it like this for 35 years, even before Pilates was invented. I've been doing it like this. It's been working for all of my clients, and I'm like, okay. Leave their scapula smushed onto their ribs and never move it. That's fine. Except downwards. We're all moving on. Like scapula, scapula should only ever move downwards. Never, never upwards. Pull your patella. And patella, patella should move upwards. <laughs> scapula should move downwards. Um, Pull it up. <laughs> <laughs> And then maybe yeah, if, they, if the client can't pull it up, you can put your hand on it and give them a bit of manual relief. Yeah, I, or use a hammer, you know. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> your hand. Um, Punch that fella up all the way. So what do you um, think? What, all right, so yeah. let me pose a question to you then. So, mm. all right, so if in in many realms of life there are you know, genuine, I think there's a genuine value in something being done as performance. You know, like I enjoy looking at dance. I enjoy looking at great photography. I enjoy looking at fine art. You know, I enjoy looking at uh, pottery or flower arrangement. You know, like, so I think art's a thing, right? Can we, do we agree on that? Yeah, art's a thing. And yeah. and it brings pleasure to people. Okay. And, yeah. and, and so in you know doing something as performance is not inherently bad so so you know if if i can enjoy watching i don't know Simone Biles do superhuman feats of you know gymnastics right and then i can also go and enjoy myself doing a clumsy forward roll you know like why yeah. why can't we live and let live in pilates why is it a problem if if we have oh. this well, I 100% um, agree that art is its own category, right? I went, I've been an art student for most of my life, right? So, so it's like I see a very big um, difference between performing Pilates at people, right, and teaching them. Simone Biles isn't teaching you gymnastics when you look at her, right? So, but I'm a Pilates teacher. So how well or how beautifully I do my dismount um, isn't relevant to my students' experience. Just irrelevant. You know, um, so did you see this? I wrote, 
your very sweet um, assistant reached out and she was like, well, we're getting this, all this stuff together and we need you to send us the bio. <laughs> and did you see what I sent? No. So, <laughs> I was like, um, Anula is actually not uh, comfortable. What, what did I say? I said something like, you know, I'm, I don't find it important to list my accomplishments. It's too self-congratulating and that's what's in the body. <laughs> uh, like I just, I'm going all the way to the other end of the spectrum where um, the, the, what millennials like is experiences, right? Like they like going to Burning Man for a reason because it's an experience. And I feel like classes need to be experiential mm -hmm. versus moralistic, mm -hmm. right? And I'll say this really um, on the record. So, you know, I think it was like someone like Kathy Ross Nash, who um, has a lot of people joining her virtually in her classes. And one of the things that she said one time was everyone has to turn their camera off because it's diluting the image of me. You know, you can't see me as well because it's eating up too much internet. My jaw you know? is on the on the ground right now. And I just said to myself, you know what? I'm going all the way to the other end of the island here and I'm not playing anymore. I'm done playing all of this shit. And if you think that you're, you're a Pilates teacher based on how well you do Pilates, um, and that your students are learning by how well you do Pilates, you've confused your job with, think, an, with yeah. another profession, which could be being an artist who performs. And that's beautiful. No one's taking away the beautificness of someone's movement, right? That's not, that's not debate. The debate isn't how beautifully people move or not beautifully or whatever. It's more like, well, if you need, if the only way you're going to learn to do this exercise is by looking at me doing the exercise, then then I'm not a very good teacher. Yeah, and I think that's not what teaching is. And that, I mean, you don't look, you don't that, do, you don't learn math by somebody showing you math equations no, over and over. No, no, and and it, and and this, you know, notion of teaching as performance perpetuates i think or feeds into like a, so much imposter syndrome that people have because like okay well if, well if i don't look like kathy ross nash when i practice you know does that make me a lesser yeah yeah um yeah it's it's uh it's post we're in postmodern pilates times right and contemporary like doesn't mean contemporary no, anymore contemporary circa 1990 Right. So 1990 is contemporary. And now we're in this like other place. We don't have a name for it, but there certainly isn't room in my sphere for the ego, my ego to be the dominant thing in the room while I'm teaching. Right. So I've actually adopted a teaching style and, you know, again, over lockdown, I would, I would perform the exercises with the students. And then at some point I was like, I don't, I don't think we're getting anywhere. Like, like you're just mimicking me and that's cool. But are you understanding how this works on your own body without looking at how it's supposed to look like whatever that means, you know? 
and what I'm seeing is people moving with a lot more abandon and <clears throat> a lot more playful and a lot more not I think the word modifying isn't exactly the right word, but they're they're modifying the exercise to fit their human form yeah. versus jamming themselves into a shape that isn't one isn't like useful but also like isn't strengthening them necessarily because their body composition is so different than my own. I get strong doing X, Y, Z. How do you get strong? Right. Or how do you see progress? Right. How, what's your measure? And if, and if I, so I teach this auditory class, right? Like everybody has to have incredibly um, developed listening skills and they have to sort of understand that if you're not if you're not connected to what I'm saying, then you're not in the class. Like you're you're just not present. You're somewhere else. And there's no there's only 45 minutes. You just have to be present for 45 minutes, and you'll see the difference between you know the the 10 classes and the 30 classes by physically doing things that fit your body in a more natural way, right? Because there's none of that ballet flourishes off the reformer, like get off the reformer, right? You don't need to teaser off the reformer to do Pilates and do your transitions in teaser or like, you know, all this like, like sort of uh, flowery business where I'm like, you know, this person's a banker. They don't need to teaser off the reformer to change their springs. Like what's what? Right. Like, and, what is this? <laughs> like, and, uh, yeah, I mean, I love what you say there about basically, you know, I, I agree, it's not modifying, it's like maybe it's just expressing the movement or interpreting the it's movement. It's self-expression. Yeah. It's like everyone, we know everyone's squat is different. We know that already, right? So, like, we don't do knees, you know, at 90, hips at 90. We're able to squat all kinds of different ways and still our patellas are in good health. As long as we pull right? them up. Pull them up. I first I pull up my patella, then I squat. Yeah. But then, but then you know I'm like, well, everyone has to find their own squat. Like your squat doesn't have to be like this. Your squat's different. I'm using a squat as like an example, but it's the same with literally any human gesture. Right. Like and like. All right. So if we think about the roll up, that I think what you know what what strikes me is that there are possibly two elements to this. Um, and one is the sort of Pilates as performance. So like the, the notion that, you know, my roll up should look like someone else's roll up or a quote proper roll up or, or whatever. Um, and so there's, you know, there's kind of a performative a visual art, Pilates as a visual art element. And then there's the, all, the roll up as beautiful versus the roll up as utilitarian. Right, right, right. And then the second, the second thing that I think is that there's some kind of, and you know, Joseph started this. But that there's there's this still you know people who have this kind of mystical sense that there is some kind of deeper, more spiritual mm -hmm. element to the roll up. That if if you if you do a like two day workshop on the roll up, you'll yeah. you'll you'll be you'll become enlightened, you know, and you'll you'll well, you know you'll you'll roll your third eye will open yeah. or something, you know. Feel it back further, and and it kind of comes from like like actually this place where. Well, if, had you been a dancer, had, had you chosen that path in life, this would all be a lot easier for you. And that's sort of the attitude. And I can't abide 
you know? I will not abide by this, like, glib sort of like, well, you know, I was a dancer, so these things just come naturally. And I'm like, Pilates isn't dancing. Don't confuse the two. Uh, and they've been confused and, and enmeshed together for so long that undoing that um, is really liberating exactly for the, the imposter syndrome folk, right? Um, and then also for, like, the students who feel as if, well, what, what is my, like, am I allowed on this white upholstery? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, can I, like, be my greasy, sweaty self on here? Or am I supposed to, like, fairy dust my way through my Pilates session? You know, like, like Pilates is, like, super sweaty and difficult at times, you yeah. know? So, so I don't see it any different than, like, lifting weights, like, there's a form to a point you want to learn some basic rules, but then you just have to like progressively load and it doesn't kind of super matter what it looks like. Like, but then, but, but with Pilates, it's just so, I think it's a lot of, um, again, it's ego and the ego is driving me up the wall. Like it's so much ego and it's, it's sort of the coming into class and thinking that, um, somehow the human in front of you can experience movement through what they're seeing me do isn't working. <laughs> it isn't working in them learning something new, right? Because if I were a math teacher, I want to come into class if it's like a class that's been doing math with me for five years and we can just start doing math. Right. But I feel like a lot of people are coming in and it's like a one and a two and the footwork and this is the position. And they keep explaining exercises over and over again. And I'm like, where's the shorthand? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where's the this person is learning something because they're not learning anything because they're just watching you. Well, what a brilliant, what a fucking brilliant, um, like contrast that you've drawn there. If this was a math class, right? And so, on day one of maths, maths class, we're learning how to do addition. One plus one, one plus equals one, right. two. You got and, and then you carry the one. Moving and, on. Right. But then if five years later, we're in the same class and you're still telling me the exact same every steps. Every class, every goddamn class, you're telling me every time this is how you do footwork. I start my classes and I'm like, do your footwork. We'll all meet in five minutes. You know what I mean? Like, like, I'm watching you, but do I need to explain it verbally to you every single time? We have <sighs> time for this. And then, all right, and so then we have, and I see, this on, I see this on social media all the time, and it's usually like, here's, you know, it's usually by an organization saying like, here's so-and-so teaching so-and-so the spread eagle or the whatever. And it's like, well, you look at the person doing the spread eagle, they've obviously done it fucking thousands of times from the way that they're moving, right? Like, <laughs> so, and then there's this other person, quote, teaching them off to the side going, and lift your hips up and roll your spine one vertebra at a time and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I don't think that person needs those instructions at this point. <laughs> so, nope. so what do we and, mean and by it, teaching? Stop saying one vertebra at a time also. Just like quit saying it. <laughs> quit saying like, it. Stop saying that. Like, that's not a thing. And your vertebra isn't actually, like, like your whole spine isn't a string of pearls to, like, lay down on the mat. Like, enough with these dumb visuals, right? Like, it's, it's a lot of infantilizing 
uh, students where the visuals are like, you know, leave a house for the mouse and like don't crush the ladybug and imagine you're holding like an apricot be- between your chin and a chin. And I'm like, are they five years old? Like, is this the imagery that people need? And at this point, I just like to, I just like to stick my hand up and I'm literally sticking my hand up and saying like, I've used all of those cues <laughs> in the past. <laughs> my name is Raphael and I'm an alcoholic. <laughs> it doesn't, but did it, did they like, they clearly didn't stick. You know no, what I mean? I'm not really an alcoholic like, and I don't use those cues anymore. <laughs> But I have. <laughs> like, I just feel like if, if I just like as an adult woman, if somebody's like, leave room for the ladybug, I'm like, I'm out. Talk to me. Like, why aren't you talking to me like you would talk to me like at a coffee shop? I, I talk to my students like they're regular people. And we're both like on the same level of just like, I'm going to talk to you like I would at the bar. Yeah. Yeah. Um, why, why is this like teaching voice um, persona? that people take on that is just, I'm like, what is that? It's such, it's so weird. Like, because I, like I helped my daughter with her homework. She's 15. She's doing year 10, which is the year 12 is the final year of high school here. So it's like, whatever that is. I'm not sure if it's middle school, junior school, senior school, (laughs) sophomore, whatever. I don't understand all of that stuff in the U S but anyway, she's, she's 15. She's doing math. And, you know, and so, you know, we sit together and, you know, she works through it and if she gets stuck, then we talk through, you know, and I try and help her in a way that empowers her to figure it out herself as much as possible. And sometimes I have to show her stuff because she doesn't know. She's like, oh, I don't know how to do this. I'm like, okay, well, here's how you do it. Right. But then the next time we go through that, I don't go, oh, hold on. I'm going to show you this thing again because I already fucking showed her. And the one and the two and four and like, and multiplication go, you know, like you would never speak to your daughter like that, you know, and pull it in and up it in, you know, like I can't take these sing songy classes. Like I can't, it's over. Talk to people normal. Talk to them. Like that doesn't matter of fact, like pick your arm up, pick it up. Like, you know, uh, like upwards, <laughs> you know, like it's just, it's just, it, we're just moving in a stylized way, trying to enjoy our lives. You know, I don't, I don't feel like I need to be in this like staccato class of like, you know, finger clapping and like, you know, clicking and, and rhythmical movement, you know, and everybody's moving together and like this person's 75 and this person's 25 they should be moving in their own ways that are appropriate for them. And that's so clear in the class because nowadays when I'm teaching, I look at, you know, the, the zoom screen and I see, you know, 10 different people moving, doing the same exercise in 10 totally different ways. And that is so satisfying for me as a teacher because they're making choices based on their body autonomy And their permission to try and fail, right? Or their permission to fall over. They have permission to um, do less repetitions, right? They have permission to just like go into child's pose for a second and meet us in five seconds. We'll do something else. Like this doesn't suit you right now. We're doing something else in like a little bit. And everybody has like this air of relaxation, you know, where they're like, oh, okay, I can do just four of these and everybody's doing 20. Okay. 
that's cool. That's still valid. I'm still a valid Pilates student. You know, uh, no one, no one should leave class feeling like a failure. Yeah. Hundred fucking percent. I can't stand it anymore. And I can't stand it when people come to me and they're like, you know, I used to take Pilates at so-and-so and I would just feel always like the fat person in the room, the person that can't do as much, you know, I'm like, but you're doing as much as you can where you are right now. Yeah. Like, why is it not enough? I think, I, I don't know this, but I, my understanding, because I've only done STOT and it wasn't really a thing in STOT, um, but I, my understanding is like in some Pilates education like schools you have to in order to pass the exam you have to demonstrate like to a certain standard in your own body like you have yeah. to yeah. well don't you know schools that you have to audition to be accepted into the program having done pilates for five years prior to becoming a teacher and then you audition to get in but how beautifully you do pilates to just get into teacher training let alone test out because I feel like it, like at least you learn something and then you test it <laughs> and it's like, okay, like, okay, perform Pilates for me, but like perform Pilates for me just so you can be a student here. No, thanks. That's crazy. I've seen, I've seen it and it, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's auditioning and the word auditioning comes from dance, dance and yeah. we're not a dance profession. Sorry, yeah. like this isn't dance class. We're, we're not going to perform this somewhere. We're not all going to strap our reformers onto our back and like go to the park and like, you know, put a hat down and get some dollar bills like for doing short spine. Like, oh, their short spine so beautiful. Let me like pay them for that beauty. This never going to happen. I mean, maybe, well, probably not. Isn't it funny? Like, all right, when you said that, I just had a thought that about people you know, strapping reformers to the back and going to the park and performing. It's kind of like figuratively that's what a lot of us are doing because my Instagram feed is absolutely chock-a-block full of just, you know, regular Pilates teachers with 99 followers or whatever on Instagram doing <laughs> Pilates on, you know, it's like he, here's me doing, you know, whatever workout routine. And it's like, well, you know, why do we feel like we need to – share that with with the world i you know i'm going back and forth on this because there's something joy okay it comes full circle but i can't start it has to come full circle where it's like i feel like now uh in my senior <laughs> in the elder millennial senior state um i'm like yeah like let me show you some videos of me doing cool shit like because it's like it's fun to see your teacher do something cool uh, once. Oh uh, yeah, I don't have a problem with that. I, I love watching people yeah. work out, and I love watching what pe- I love watching people lift weights. I love watching people stretch. I love watching people run. You know, I love if like if you yeah. if you had a fucking kick ass yeah. workout, I would love to see that. But it's that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about right. like 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 as kind of almost a public service or pr- promotion of their business or or, mm-hmm. or whatever. That people are, pr- pr- oh, here's a great little ab and butt routine that you can do or whatever. It's like, do we really need another one of those? Do we? Um, yeah, I mean, it depends on how much we want to pass judgment. <laughs> right? Like, it depends on, like, how, le- like, how deep we want to pass judgment. Um, and, you know, do I need another ab and, and you know, glute chiseling routine? I, 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 I personally couldn't care less. 
right? Like, that's not what's going to draw me in, right? Um, but it's the question of aspirational teachers versus inspirational teachers. That's the line for me. Tease, tease that out for me a bit. Sure. So, so like, if a teacher has an aspir, so I'll tell you the whole story um, where I sort of came up with this thought. Uh, many, many years ago, um, at the very beginning of, of my career, a uh, PR agent wanted to meet and talk about, you know, being my PR agent. And she cold called me, you know, and as a young person, that sounds enticing and interesting. So I take the meeting and we're sitting in this coffee shop in New York with no air conditioning. So it's like really, really hot, you know, in the middle of summer. And I just remember being really hot. And, we're, and I'm sitting there having my iced coffee and she's having whatever she's having. And she sits there in front of me. We have a short conversation and she's in, in it. I could see it on her face that it dawned on her as we were talking. She was like, there's a dilemma. So there's a dilemma because some people want inspirational teachers and some people want aspirational bodies. And when, and she said it, you know, she said, when I go to class, you know, I want to learn from someone who looks a certain way to make, um, their exercises more valid. And I remember thinking like, well, I do not have an aspirational body, right? That's not what I built my career on. It's not where I'm going, uh, I'm not going to lose weight to work with you, you know, and I also don't really care about what my teachers look like when I learn from them. I don't care what my math teacher looked like to learn math. And if I, if I learned things based on what other people look like, I would know very little. Like, if that was my basis and I had this one standard, mm. right, I would have to find a tall, blonde uh, ballerina to teach me math, mm. you know, like, in science, you know? Like, if, that, if I have this standard of, like, what my eyes are willing to tolerate as I learn, then um, we've got a bit of a cultural problem. But also, like, the, to be called inspirational versus, like, the, the conversation of like, well, just showing up as you is so brave. You are so yeah. brave yeah. for showing up with yourself on the Instagram or in front of a class of people and your bravery is inspiring. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I don't really feel like I have the patience to be condescended in that way anymore. Yeah, yeah. Fuck. You know? Um, and, and in terms of like the performative aspect, you know, she really, that conversation was really a milestone for me because I remember like, like the, the wheels turning in her head and her like trying to reconcile, like, can I sell someone who isn't hot? Like, can I sell that as a PR agent? Like, and then I could see it, like the answer was like, clearly no, Mm -hmm. you know? And I'm like, okay, but you reached out to me, you know? And it was sort of insulting in that sense that I was like, I don't know what an aspirational person is, but it was exactly when like things like Barry's boot camp and stuff was like the most popular. And there was just like hot bodies everywhere doing hot stuff. 
And I was like, but I don't think that's what I want to teach. Like, I don't want to teach people how to become thin. And I don't want to teach them how to become hotter. Wrap it back around the porn, you mm. know? Mm. Uh, I don't need to teach you to look good in a bikini. That's not what I know how to do. Or have an it's interest in skills. doing. Yeah. Some people are. The butts and abs ladies are like, look at this routine for your butt and your abs for your bikini season. Right. But all right. So I want to, I, I want to unpack that a little bit more because <laughs> I, I think like, all right. So when I'm thinking, when I said like, you know, polite, just regular Pilates teachers with 99 Instagram followers, I, I mean like the, <laughs> the people I love and respect out there. Right. So these, yeah. they, I don't think these people are doing anything with any kind of that that is that is reprehensible no, anyway. I, I, think, I know exactly but, what you're talking about too, and they're doing butts and abs for butts and abs, right? Right. Like to just literally work those parts of the body more than other parts right. in this particular session. Right. But but I think like what I want to you know get your view on then, or what I want to sort of see if we can nut out together is that like okay, so these people are you know these Pilates instructors are. They want basically. I think what they're doing is they want to promote their business, right? They want to get clients, okay, whether they have an online business or in-person business or whatever. And so, what the way that they, you know, go about doing that, well, the way that I see them do it, because that's where I am. I'm on Instagram, is I see them going, "Hey, here's a little five-minute routine of, you know, Pilates for today. You do let's do triceps and whatever." And yeah. and and I just think like, it's kind of. Kind of, you know, the reason I think about it is because it's like you said, we put our reformers on our back, we go down to the park and <laughs> perform, right? Well, it's kind Get of your a, chair. Let's it, go. <laughs> it's kind of, it's kind of that's what it is, right? And so I think like, well, yeah. is that the best way to get clients? And when you when you said that about inspirational versus aspirational teachers, it's like, all right, well, if if you wanted to be an inspirational teacher, you know, like what what would you say to your clients, or how would you relate to your clients? How would you, you know, communicate with your clients, you know, and would that be doing exercises on a mat? <laughs> right. I, you know, it, it's hard because I think everybody has, every Pilates teacher has a slightly different business. Mm -hmm. There, Somebody asked me in a podcast once, um, what do you think Pilates teachers get wrong? You know, like very, like very full of it, you know, like what are they getting wrong? Like, I'm supposed to know. And I was like, I haven't met all of them yet. So I don't mm -hmm. know what Pilates teachers are getting wrong. It's not my place to say what anybody's getting wrong. You can sell your business however suits you because you, you're the only person who knows how to sell your business. I don't know how you're, how you're supposed to sell your business, <laughs> you know? I don't know yeah. what your class structure is like. Yeah. I don't know what clients are you trying to attract. I, I, um, I, I'm going to disagree with you on this. I think yeah. um, it's, abs you know, it's no one's place to tell anyone else, you know, what sort of business they should be in or, or how they should communicate. But, but I think, you know, if it's true that these people are doing this, you know, like demonstrating Pilates, basically performing Pilates in order, in, you know, because they think that's the best way for them to attract clients. Okay. If, if that's true then I think that's an empirical claim that can be either true or false, wrong. right? It can be true or yeah. false, right? So, so, so if, you know, I just think like, well, if I'm a, if I'm a potential client, you know, a potential Pilates student, okay. And I, and 
you know, what's my what what what's going to attract me to doing sessions with somebody? Like, is it because I scroll through Instagram and I see them doing it? Oh, they've got a beautiful teaser. I'll go and learn from them. Really, I don't think people are out there thinking that. I think people are, are sitting at home going, yeah. "Fuck, I feel." unhealthy i feel cranky i feel fatigued i've got a sore back yeah you know like what do i do yeah no i see i see your point exactly um i think that i you know and this this is something leslie logan said recently um don't market to your peers market to your students right and i'm seeing you know, to, to your point, I think a lot of what that butts and abs and stuff is marketing mostly to peers. Yeah. Like, look at this new choreo for my peers. Yeah. And I think that there's a huge difference between marketing to our fellow Pilates teachers and marketing to potential new students. 100%. Good on, good on you, Leslie Logan. I guess, I guess that's where yeah. I agree with you. Yeah. yeah. On that. Yeah, so, you know, who's interested in cool new Cory? Pilates instructors. <laughs> right. No, it's like if I want new choreo and, I, and, and, you know, I know where to go for that. Like there are peers of yeah. mine who do that better than me and I will go to them if I want to find a really neat class flow. Yeah. Right? There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. There's also nothing wrong with doing 15 minutes of abs and tries. The physically, there's nothing wrong with yeah. it. All movement is good movement. Yeah, 100%. right. And and if you get somebody moving in any way where like they maybe wouldn't have moved that day, and they did tries and buys, okay. You know, you can do your glamour muscles, right? Those are still muscles. Hundred percent. You know, like like I'm not. There's no judgment in terms of like what what the choice of exercises are. The judgment is if you're trying to grow your business. Um, it's not going to be by marketing to your fellow Pilates teachers. Fuck yeah, that is awesome. I'm, I'm listening to type that that's out because awesome. that's, that's a quote. If, <laughs> if you're trying to grow your business, grow And we can, your we can business. translate for that because um, I stole that quote from her, which was a really important quote. All right, great. And, you know, she's she's the, you know, how to make money in Pilates mm. guru. Mm. You know, it's, her whole thing is called profitable Pilates. Yeah. She's not marketing to me. Yeah. You know, and she she's marketing to me in terms of, like, if I want to learn how to be a, Pilates, a better, more profitable Pilates teacher. But if she's trying to gain more, like, students who aren't Pilates teachers, I bet she doesn't speak to people this way. Yeah. Hundred percent. She know, changes her tone. No, who I your bet. audience is, yeah. Yeah. All right. So, what do you think? We didn't. We we didn't really talk about it yet. But like, in this, I think we touched on this idea of like uh, there's some kind of you know mystical you know power in navel gazing about the roll up for two days or something, and that you can that and to me that kind of goes you know some kind of magical depth to understanding pilates in a certain way and and that goes beyond just the benefits of regular exercise and 
getting in tune with your own body and having fun with friends and, and all of those other benefits. Right. But, but and, and I think that I'd like to sort of talk about how that intersects with the idea of sort of performance and also this notion of, or the phenomena of, like something you sent me on social media ages ago, a DM, um, but it had like some kind of workshop, and this is why we I keep saying the roll up. It was like the workshop on the roll up for two days or something, and and it was like all it had all of these second generation Pilates elders, right? And they were capital S, capital G, second generation, yeah, capital P, capital yeah. E, Pilates elders. <laughs> and, well, like yeah. Sir Lancelot of Pilates yeah. of the of the house of you know right. right. The Duke of so and so is coming into town to right. teach the roll up seventeen different ways. You know, right. um, yeah. So the, the that is that is its own really depressing issue, like generational Pilates and like elders and like lineages and you know, like like bloodletting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I just like there's things that are just like, like I don't. We don't use leeches anymore to do this, and I don't need to call you like elder, you know, and then bow out of the room. You know what I mean? Like, like you're like I just don't need to do that anymore. And um, it, there's something about that that it, it, what it, what it reads to me as. When I see the sort of like, you know, the Duke and the Duchess of so-and-so is going to Venice to teach at the symposium, um, you know, it's like it, what they're saying is that there's movements that are bad and there are movements that are good. There's good movement and there's bad movement. And we're going to go do good movement. And everybody else is doing bad movement. And um, the, the sort of... It, territorial goodness and virtue in the purity of Pilates, right? Like it's pure and it's real and it's pure and it's real. It's original, you know, it's archival, right? It's like, like going back to like, you know, just like using sticks, you know what I mean? Before the reformer was invented, there was just a stick, you know, like we're going all the way back, you know, just went into the woods and we picked up a rock you know, we threw it across. Um, but then there was a reformer, and then suddenly there was good movement, there was bad. Yeah. The, there's Pilates, there's good and bad. And and I just, I feel like there's, there's this need to sort of, again, I'm like, you go to the symposium in Venice with, you know, the royalty of your lineage and teach good roll-ups versus bad roll-ups. I'm going to teach regular human beings um, to just enjoy movement best they can, uh, despite limitations and pain and trauma and um, insecurities, and then try and have a relationship with Pilates that is based on joy. So you just keep doing it. Mm. That, that's all. Like that's literally our job is to like, right. like get a get a student and retain them. Yeah, help them keep doing it. That's your job, right? Just keep doing it. Yeah. Like, like, in, like, look forward to this time, right, in your day versus dreading this time in your day. Mm. And I would dread going to classical Pilates classes. I would dread it. It would give me so much anxiety. 
Um, and I was like, well, that's not the relationship I want to have with my job. Yeah. It's, it's, the, it's the Pilates movement version of disordered eating. Um, I think there's a, in what you said, you know, with that sort of generational and the purity thing, um, and if we sort of, tr- you so know, pure. the lineage that we're tracing Have from the source. Have you ever taken a pure Pilates class? No, I haven't. That was just pure? No. No, I've only done diluted Pilates. Um, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, but that, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking, right? Is that, all right, so if, we, if we're tracing yeah. our lineage from the source, whether the source is Joseph or Romana or, you know, whatever, it's like, well, by definition... Even, you know, every generation that is removed from the, those, you know, capital E elders is less pure, right? You know, by definition. So the further it's, you are from the elder, the less pure you are. Right. So the more you have to prove. Right. So so by definition, we're now like, you know, you know, lesser humans living in the in the shadow of our giant ancestors, you know. And and they taught good movement. Yeah, it's like we're in the planet of the apes now, and there's the the, yeah. the, 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 the Statue yeah. <laughs> of Liberty sticking out from the sand. <laughs> it's like it's a, it's uh, it's just it's it's too dense, and we're too close to the source still. You know, like again, I always think like there's just if we were just like seventeen generations away, that well, this would feel less intense. But like while there's one person who can still say they they learned from Mr. Pilates directly. Or from a direct el- disciple elder, then no one else is valid. And you know, it needs to be diluted enough that everyone's allowed to live. And ironically, I've talked to John Steele at length. He, he learned from directly from Mr. Pilates, and he's the most incredibly humble person who says like. And he literally said, I mean, not exactly in these words, but basically, th- he said to me like, all of this like you know correct way of doing it is bullshit. It's just about you know, moving in your own body. And it's about the experience, you know, it's about the process of focusing and concentrating to, to, you know, on, on, on your own movement. And that like, it doesn't matter if your toes are pointed or flexed in the roll up. Right. And, and it doesn't, I think both student and teacher um, historically feel like they need to put on their student teacher personas. Right. Like you go into class and not like now I'm a Pilates teacher and I'm not no longer a Nula, you know, and now I'm a Pilates student. I'm going to move in this like robotic Pilates way. I'm like, why are you moving differently in the class than you are in your real life? All right. I want to. All right. Here's something I want to ask you about. And I, I honestly don't know. Maybe it was you who actually put this in my mind or maybe it was someone else. I can't remember where I got this from, but I remember when I heard this. Sorry. Well, take credit if it's good. Well, I remember when I first heard this, I was like, fuck, that is true. Um, and yeah. so uh, it was probably a year ago I heard this. Someone said, and I'm sorry, I can't remember who it was, basically like Pilates is such a white form of movement. Like it's so rigid. It, white, white, I, I, and I don't, I, what I mean is like, it's like ballet compared to jazz. You know, it's, it's like classical music compared to jazz. Classical music is awesome. Love classical music. But it's kind of got a carrot up its ass, let's face it, you know, compared to jazz. And people like in that kind of classical Pilates vein, like when I look on Instagram, everyone's, it's all about straight lines and perfect posture and poise. But like how many times do you need to see somebody, you know, teaser? And and that was my thing about like when I said Pilates isn't performance and everybody gets very emotional 
because uh, it's very triggering, right, to the people who think it, it's, it's a performance. And I remember, like, I posted that, and, you know, everyone's like, yeah, right, and, like, you know, I don't need to see another perfect teaser on the box, right? Like, how many te- how many of those do I need to see? Uh, and somebody's like, and they made a, a really interesting point that I, kept, I keep thinking about, like, well, why take pictures of anything ever, you know? Like, I'm like, well, yeah, sure. Take a picture of your perfect teaser literally every time and post it. Okay. I'm not saying you can't document yourself. <laughs> I'm saying, you know, the, the, I take pictures for a myriad of reasons, right? Not only, only at my most beautific moments. Like, there's all, all kinds of reasons to take pictures. It's like, well, why capture anything, you know? And I'm like, my favorite picture of, I've seen of you is when you're lie, you lying on the floor with your legs up the wall. I think um, it looks like a Pilates album cover. It's probably from like three, four mm-hmm. years ago. Yeah. Well, I think it, yeah. it was advertising your Sixth Street Pilates. The, and it's the same, you know, like if classical and jazz, but I, I think of it as like, you know, abstract and figurative painting, uh-huh. right? If you're, you, if you're doing figurative painting, which has rules, right? Perspective and you have to, you know, like, you have to learn how to like mix your colors and like do all that. And you have to learn all of that. And if you are going to abstract it, you better know what you're abstracting, right? Like teaching abstract Pilates or diluted Pilates or whatever, like, you know, what the source material is. What I, I wonder is if everybody one knows what they're abstracting or are they just teaching abstraction? Is that Okay. Am I getting old where I'm like, no, <laughs> All right, great. Okay All right. Well, uh, here's, here's, somewhere, here's somewhere we might disagree. This is awesome. So what, all right. So I don't know as much anywhere near about, uh, as much about art as I know about music. And so I, I'm going to change the metaphor to music. So, all right. So basically, um, you know, rock music came from blues, blues came from jazz you know, or jazz came from blues, you know, whatever. Um, and that came from African, uh, you know, some kind of African music that the slaves brought over with it them. It came from like a pan flute somewhere. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. So so if I want to play in a rock band, do I have to learn the pan flute? You know, like, can I be a good you, rock musician? You need to learn how to read music, though, <laughs> is where I'm at. You know what I mean? Like you can, you don't need to learn how to play the original of, uh, you know, like, uh, like where this all came from, but don't you want to know how to read music? Well, or are you, are you just playing phonetically? Well, Louis, Arms- know, like Louis Armstrong never here? learned how to read music. I think there are lots of brilliant musicians who don't, who can't read. What I about, think they learn. what about Stevie Wonder? <laughs> Um, I think he probably knows how to how to write music, you know. Uh, yeah, I'm not. Uh, like well, he's not. As as an example, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if that's the example I would tackle, but I would example it as like you know, if there's a class that is is variations upon variations upon abstraction, and. I feel like I would want that teacher to know what they're abstracting for their own knowledge. 
I don't, I don't know. I mean, all right, let's 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 choose a different example. One of my favourite bands of all time, the Beastie Boys. Okay, that came from, you know, arguably from rap, which came from blues or jazz, which or rock, which you know eventually came from people hitting drums around a fire in West Africa somewhere. You know, hundreds yeah, of years ago. Yeah, right? it all the way back. Right. Sure. And so I'm pretty sure the Beastie Boys don't know how to read music, you know. <laughs> and so is yeah. there is there is there a is there a is there a is there a freedom from limitation and convention that comes with not knowing the history? Well, it depends on how talented you are then. You know, if you're the Beastie Boys, you're the Beastie Boys. But you're you had to have become the Beastie Boys somehow. Like something, you had to arrive at that moment from something. Mm-hmm. You don't. They didn't wake up and like just have an album. No. What kind of hard work went into making the album? I'm not sure if we're. I'm not sure if we're agreeing or disagreeing or just talking about different things. The no, I think there's there's like the work part that I feel like I I, I feel like there's there's a I need, you need to learn something in order to make it your own. A hundred percent. You can't just wake yes. up and just yes. like be like, I'm making it my own. Yes, a hundred percent. hundred percent. You have all. you have to go yeah. on a and in that journey of, of working and learning, you start, you know, the typical artist artistic trajectories, you start out being very clumsy, then you become very derivative, you you know, and then eventually you find your own voice or way of expressing yourself. Totally. You have to go yeah. through that process. Yeah. You know, to become yourself. Um, or your best self, mm, mm. but I don't think I, but I don't think I don't agree that you that you know in your sort of derivative phase, if, that everyone goes through, that you need to be derivative of anything in particular. You're just derivative of whatever influences you have, right? But there are only thirty four exercises that you need to know in Pilates. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like just know them. Mm-hmm. Like there's one book. Read the one book. I'm I'm with you. Like, that's what we teach you in our course. Like, I'm with you. Know you know what I mean? That's is that sort of like the bait? Like I feel like there's a skipping of where 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 again in the years of touring, the amount of people that have actually read Return to Life yeah. in the in the yeah. actual mass of teachers who are working right now is lesser than half. I think way less than half. I'd say less right? than a quarter. So yeah. I'm being generous. And I'm just like, there's a part of me that's like, well, then what are you playing at? You know, like there, it's not very long and right. it has all the exercise in it with pictures. With pictures. You know, so but if you're doing de- de- like derivatives of the teaser, here's like the teaser, you know, quote unquote, like the actual teaser uh, and now change it. Yeah. Actually, it's interesting what you say there because when we teach the, the teaser in like we, we use return to life as our textbook for our certification course. So every one of our students, by the end of the course, their copy is very, very well thumbed. And we literally right. read, you know, step by step through the instructions in that book. Mine is just stained with coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Mine's got lots of those post-it notes sticking out of it at all different <laughs> places. But when, you know, one thing that surprises most students, I think when they learn the teaser is that, you know, when they look at the teaser in Joseph's book, he's like, oh, the, he specifically says the back should be rounded, you know, and, um, you know, which... Like, literally. Yeah. He, says li- it. he literally says the back should be rounded. <laughs> um, and 
And that surprised the shit out of me when I learned it, because I learned it through Stop Pilates, which is a contemporary system, circa 1990-something, where it was always about the, the teaser position I was taught was like the thoracic spine is, quote, lengthened, and the lumbar spine is flexed. And I saw, I thought teaser was flat back, right? And, and I was never taught like, oh, this is how we do it, but there are other ways of doing it, or this is not the original way it was done. It's like, no, this is the way, capital T, capital W. And, and I think there's, that's probably the case for most people because everybody that comes through our course who's done training with other providers, like I would say 99% of them are surprised by the fact that teaser is in round back or that, for instance, one leg circle- one leg, yeah, but one leg circle, you move the hip, you know, you, you raise the hip as you circle. Yeah, it's shocking. Yeah. I, this is my whole, this is what I've been doing my whole life, right? I came to your studio and I was like, guys, circle your leg across your body. Stop stirring your femur in the socket. Mm. You know, like you can stir your femur in the socket at, if, if you want to learn how to do that and practice that. Again, there are no bad gestures. But if you're looking to do the single leg circle, move your, hip. move your hips around in, a little bit. In fact, know? he specifically says in the book, note, you know, make sure the hip is raised as you circle the leg. Um, and, then, and then I, well, we, in my program, original program, I think we didn't even get to the teaser because it was too much hip flexion. Hmm. <laughs> like there was like stuff like that where it's like, to mm, nobody you know is ever going to be able to do that so we're just not going to teach it you know like like regular people can't do that so yeah. it's too hard and um i remember teaching also i was teaching and i won't say where but i was teaching spine stretch forward right and i was teaching it all of mr pilates like i think i was reading from the book you know and we're doing spine stretch forward and i remember somebody sort of murmuring at the back of the room going like, well, that is much more flexion than I'd ever teach, you know? And <laughs> I was like, okay. Like, then your students, like, only go, like, 45 degrees at the hip. Got it. Like, they, they shall know. It's like with bridging. Like, why? Like, you're bridging and you're going only, like, oop, like this high and you shall never pass where your ribs start flaring or whatever. Yeah, right? And I'm like, well, why are you teaching people bridges at all? Like, why are you teaching them a bridge, like, at all? And and then no, normally people will say, well, to chisel your glutes and your hamstrings. And then, the, and then like, maybe you and I would say, um, there's 700 exercises we can think of right now that are better for chiseling your glutes and your hamstrings other than picking your ass up off the floor multiple times, just to a certain place, right? To an arbitrary stopping point, uh, then, then like, what is the learning process of that? Like, what are you, did you learn to do? You learned to stop, right? And you learn where to stop. And you have muscle memory of where to stop. Then how are you going to ever get into a high bridge, ever. If a bridge off the floor, a shoulder bridge, isn't a stepping point to a high bridge, then it's futile. <laughs> you know? Like you're just practicing a gesture at random that isn't part of a system. I know. 
And you know, like it's we, <laughs> you see that you see that quote. You know, a man's only as old as his spine, or something. You know, whatever that says. If if your spine's young at sixty years young or whatever, and yet so many there's so, you know so much about rigidity in in the way a lot of Pilates is taught, rather than you know suppleness. It's yeah, it's kind of because aesthetically, it looks better to me when your shoulders are down your back. I like it better for my eyeballs. But if you roll up with your shoulders up by your ears, I like it less because I don't like the aesthetics of it. You know, it's not, it's, you're, you're not opening up through your front enough yeah. for me, you know, as you're flexing. Your I know, it's <laughs> like, you know, oxymoron. So these aesthetics, so it goes back to like Pilates' performance. Are you, are you moving as you're performing for your future? Yeah. yeah. Are you moving as a person who's trying to just like enjoy their life? There's a difference. If you're at home, <laughs> next time you do a roll up, I challenge you to let your shoulders round forward as you flex. Pick them yeah. all yeah. the way up by your ears. Pick yeah. them all the way up and do your roll ups like that all class and see if you like Explained. something horrible yeah. happens yeah. to you. <laughs> like, do your shoulder blades just explode, you know? Like, yeah. But it's, it's, I'm, it's teachers performing at students, and it's students performing back at teachers. And I'm, like, I'm taking that, like, and I'm putting it away from my body, you know, and I'm going to go do this other thing over here. I'm not going to argue with anybody about it anymore, you know? I reckon that's a good place to leave it. <laughs> come come hang out where the cool kids are doing interesting things. Stop pulling your shoulders down by your but yeah. down your pocket. And just relax your kneecaps. Don't worry about pulling them up. Move move normally. Move normal. <laughs> Good talking a lot. <laughs> Thank you. Is that is this what we, we I think this is sort of we touched upon the topic we imagine we talk about. Well, Pilates porn. I think we talked about it. Yeah, Pilates is performance. Yeah, this, we talked about. Yeah, we got we got through it. I hope this uh, sparks some questions from people. Oh, I'd love to. I, I love I love when things spark questions for people. And if you, if you're a people out there and you've got questions and you want to discuss them, there's a link in the show notes to book a time to talk with me and. Um, I'd love to just hear what you what's going on in your mind. You know, if you disagree, agree, have questions, want to chat through any of it, I love a good chat. I do too. Good enough. Invite me to the chat. <laughs> okay, great. Well, when you book a, when you book a time with me in the show notes, there's a little note, yeah. little box there that says, "What do you want to talk about?" Say, so, "Hey, I want to talk with Raffin and Nola," and then okay. tell us what you want to talk great. about. Well, I appreciate you having me on, letting always letting me ramble off. Onto onto tangents. Well, that's what that's um, what this show is a, you know, I think that's one of the important uh, elements of this show is we don't edit and we don't censor and we don't have pre-structured, you know, lists of conversation points or whatever. Like we we just have a chat about whatever's present and we go with the conversation. Well, it's very, it's always very welcoming and it's always. Um, a joy to speak with you. Likewise, Anola. The same. <laughs> uh, I appreciate it. You're definitely one of the cool kids. 
Well, I hope so. Just trying, just trying hard to be cool. What's working? Working hard. <laughs> just keep, it doesn't come natural. Just keep, <laughs> keep lifting those shoulders up. Just all the way up. Just, just hunch. I tell people to hunch in class all the time. It's like, yeah. <laughs> just hunch. Okay, thank you. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, see ya. After two exercise science degrees and over a decade and a half of reading research daily, I've condensed all the current science on rehab into a program called the Clinical Exercise Specialist Rehabilitation. Inside the program, I'll teach you to do three things. One, deeply understand how the body works. Two, confidently and expertly rehab literally any client. And three, get results for your clients. So ultimately, your clients tell their friends and you become known as the go-to expert in your area. This program is completely unlike any education you've done before, even if you've studied with us before, because of the way we've built the learning design. It's an online, flexible, skill-based learning program, which means you keep doing the skills under supervision until you're good at them. It's more of a mentorship model than a traditional course model. So rather than rushing through the content and having sort of one go at everything, you actually just practice live and we give you feedback and guidance and we dialogue and explore concepts together until you're highly skilled and confident. We just keep working the material until you get it. It's not rushed at all. It's not about ticking off the content. It's about engaging, practicing and applying it until you own it. This is a life-changing program, not some weekend certification. I've put my heart and soul into building this, and I can't wait to share it with you and help you discover your genius for anatomy and rehab. Now, because of the highly interactive nature of this program, we're only taking on 12 students worldwide. The program starts on March the 1st, and the first 12 qualified people to apply will be allowed to enroll. So if you're interested in learning more, click the link in the show notes and download the course guide or go to breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification menu in our link in the top menu. That's breathe-education.com and click on the clinical certification link in the top menu.